Welcome to Toxicology, brought to you by Recovery Unplugged, the place where we talk about all things substance abuse, recovery, and mental health, with guests offering varying perspectives and viewpoints. Hosts Joseph Gorordo and Jason Cabello share about their addiction and recovery and other serious subject matter through lighthearted yet candid conversation. Ready? All right. Okay. One, One two, two, three, shoot. shoot. You always throw rock, and I always. Well, throw... maybe you should learn from your I, mistakes. Sometimes I think uh, if I'm thinking ahead, I remember. Anyway. Is it insanity? Yeah, it's insanity. Welcome to another wonderful episode of Toxicology, the latest and greatest podcast about mental health addiction and recovery. Uh, I am Joseph Gordo, your host. Who just and... assumed that I didn't want to do the intro. Oh, fuck me. That's okay. And this is Jason Cabello. <laughs> Uh, the hostess with the mostess. Jason the Rock Cabello because Jason of my the rock, rock, paper, scissors game. And Joseph Skizzers. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing, brother? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing all right. Are you as, uh, I know last week we came in here just on fire. Just yeah. Up and going. Yeah. I'm, pretty, I'm feeling pretty good today. Oh, too. man. You know what? I am too. <clears throat> good. Which is real weird because the past week has been, been, a rough one? has been interesting. Yeah. It's been interesting. There's a... Uh, I don't know how much detail I can go into uh, without getting in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. No. Okay. No, I probably shouldn't. All right. It's just been interesting, but you know what? We roll with it. You know, we do. None of the problems are actually mine. It's people around me having problems. Can't control people, places, or things. No, 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 not at all. And you know what? I, I think... December does something to people. It like, does. Like, I'm not into, like, full moons and, you know, uh, when, when Mercury's in retrograde or whatever. But I really, the, the holiday blues seems to be, like, a real thing. It is. And I, I, I see it happening to me. And I'm usually, I love winter. I love the holidays. Yeah. But lately, I've been listening to that that Eagles Christmas song, the come, Please Come Home for Christmas, and he sings this part. He was like, my baby's gone. I have no friends. And I'm just like, oh. <laughs> I get homesick, too, yeah. you know, because I, you know, I, I, I don't love, I didn't love living in South Florida, but now that I'm gone, yeah, and, it's you, what know, you know, and, and it, you know, not to get too heavy about it, but you know, you get older and your family gets kind of smaller and yeah. things get kind of, it's not the same as it used to be and mm -hmm. get really nostalgic. And I could see it, like, I could see how it brings some people down, but you know, yeah. luckily, thank God I don't like suffer from depression or anything like that. It just gets me a little, it gets me a little sappy. Yeah. 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 You know, I, I tend to be a little sentimental around Christmas, but the, you know, growing up for me, I kind of had the opposite thing that you did. You know, growing up, it was really me, my mom, my grandma, my brother. Okay. Right? Like I had a big family, but as far as Christmas went, it was usually just the four of us. And it was, you know, we didn't have a ton of money. So like handful of presents, you know, my grandma would put on a lunch, but nothing, nothing crazy. And that right. was kind of it, you know, I think. Uh, but nowadays... It's it's bigger than it used to be, right? We we actually we do Christmas three times. Wow. We do we do a Christmas Eve lunch with my mom and do presents with them. Then we go to my mother in law's house, spend the night, do Christmas morning with her. And then later on Christmas Day, we do something with the cousins. So the kids get That's awesome for the kids. Yeah. It's awesome for and, the kids. <laughs> and they're still, you know, they're still at least at least the youngest is still Young enough to really get a lot out of Christmas. Or? Oh yeah. yeah, I mean, she thinks she, she thinks Santa's real. You know, she's we do the elf thing, the elf on the, elf shelf, on the thing. shelf. And so the thing with the elf on the shelf is that you forget about it after a while, right? And so as a parent, you know, it's like eleven o'clock at night, you're half asleep, and you're like, wait, the fucking elf, elf. and you got to get up and try to think of something cute to do with it. But we've recruited the older boys. Uh, and now they're the ones who do the elf every night. So, so you've had you've had the practice twice. Yes. All right. Yeah. When are you going to have the talk? To when said, "Listen, Santa Claus is not real," and then run the risk of your 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 young beautiful daughter looking you in the eyes and said, "You fucking lied to me." <laughs> We've actually never had the talk. I know, we've, but you're, you're, no, like not even Harper. Oh. 
I mean, I think they just kind of figured it out. So your kids are off to college still thinking that Santa Claus is going to... Yeah, well, I mean, May come. Harper knows Santa's not real. Jackson, okay. when I was like, Jackson, you're going to help with the elf this year. He goes, I knew they weren't real. And he goes, wait, what about Santa? And I was like, no, Santa's real. Santa. My mom to this day still won't admit that it's not real. She's like, the spirit of Christmas is absolutely real. Spirit of Christmas. The yeah. spirit of, okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> What's your favorite Christmas song? Jay? My favorite Christmas song, like like old timey song, would Just, be Silent Night. Uh huh. And then, but like a, Bing Crosby Silent Night, Elvis Silent. No, there's Night? actually a new version of it that I like by uh, Sasami. I think the name of the artist is, and um, Low, Just Like Christmas. That's yeah. that's my jam. So I've got a lot. So if I had to pick one, it would be Oi to the World. By no doubt. Okay. Because that is hands down the greatest bass solo that's a in good a Christmas one. song. Fa- no- Father Christmas by the Kinks. That's a great oh, one. That's a solid one. Yeah. Um, Order of the World. I love any of the old Bing Crosby ones. Get me? Yeah. Um, but more modern times, what I find myself telling Alexa to do is is play uh, the Pentatonics Christmas album. I've never listened, but they do a hallelujah that will make you weep. Really? Because I, I do, Absolutely. I do like some acapella. And, yeah. uh, I can't, it's not cool, but it says great. who acapella is not cool. It's Fuck. Not. Are you kidding me? No, no, it's not the the kids. I feel, are I feel like you just told me that Santa Claus isn't, isn't real. <laughs> no, uh, as as the kids nowadays would say, acapella does not fuck. <laughs> You heard it here first. <laughs> you know, the kids these days, though, did you know that fucks means, like, super cool? Like, I, I I do. I do. I've well, heard. Yeah. I was at a concert last year and, with, with, you know, and we had found, we made friends with these two younger folks mm-hmm. that were kind of in the crowd near us, right? It was me and Chelsea, and we made, she makes friends with people, right? Yeah. And girl, probably... 24, maybe 25, her and her boyfriend, you know, we're getting along good. And Weezer's playing. And I'm, I'm, you know, almost 40. I'm like, fucking Weezer, yeah. And Rivers Cuomo gets starts shredding a guitar solo. And the girl looks at me and she goes, that guy fucks. And I'm like, do, do I go like, yeah? Or do I go... Like, like, it's like, uh, I had no clue. I had no clue. You had to look it up. Are you like an urban dictionary like that? (laughs) (laughs) Or even better, you're like, Alexa, urban dictionary. This guy fucks. (laughs) This guy fucks. (laughs) So last week, I know I did a little gratitude list uh, of people that that helped the show run. And and I forgot to. So, you know, I'm doing some step work and I'm I'm checking stuff. I forgot Dominic. Nicosia, oh, our content writer. Nicosia? Yeah. Is that Nicosia? Uh, I, he says Nicosia. Well, then he's Nicosia. right. Nicosia. So I will, yeah. I will just, and where we record this podcast, permanent record. Brant. Brant. <laughs> <laughs> Grant and Mike at Permanent Record Studios in Austin, Texas. I don't Here. know who Mike is. I don't think I've ever met Mike. When we first came in, you did. But well, I like anyway. Grant. Grant's my guy. I like Grant. Thank you guys for 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 always being there and, and catching our mistakes and stuff like that. And I, I just wanted to say thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of mis- no, <laughs> <laughs> you know, folks. Uh, today we did things a little backwards. We're doing the intro after we did. Oh my God. Don't tell people give that. Away the Don't Hollywood tell people fucking that. Magic. Joe All right, Jason. Stuff. We have an amazing guest with us today. <laughs> Um, we did not interview yet. We haven't interviewed her. Um, she seems cool. I don't know. I've never spoken to her. Speaking of Friday, (laughs) speaking of Thursday, (laughs) what are you talking about? Um, no, I, uh, go ahead. I'm I'm, I'm excited about today's guest. Um, a lot of firsts for us. Um, she's our first uh, remote guest from the studio. In this format, that's all we used to do was remote guests. Yeah, and then we upped it. But yeah. you know, time is a flat yeah. circle. We're going back uh, to uh, Zoom calls. She's our first guest, to my knowledge, that has met both Bob Barker and Ice Cube in person, and David Bowie, and David Bowie. From what I'm imagining before <laughs> interviewing her. <laughs> Is on her Wikipedia. Yeah. <laughs> has met Ice Cube. <laughs> um, 
But a uh, wonderful uh, actress, model, singer. Icon. Icon. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Mrs. Kathleen Bradley. Hey. Wow. Ooh, we, we poofed you into some nice digs there. Yeah, we've taken hey, the, we've go. taken the podcast <laughs> magic to a new level. Look at that. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Kathleen Bradley. Welcome to the show, Thank Kathleen. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to, to talk to us, us silly guys down here in Austin. <laughs> oh, thank you. Hey, you guys. It is really my utmost pleasure. And you guys, I've watched some of the shows and you're doing a fantastic job. And just everything that your company represents and dealing with and helping people in this traumatic times and days that we're going through right now with the drug addiction and the mental health and everything is so much needed. And through the internet and times that we're able to relate to people, you guys are awesome. And I'm thanking Aww. you for allowing me to get on the show. Hopefully I could be a little help to someone who's out there struggling. Oh, I'm sure you will. Thank that, you so that much. That is the me. nicest thing anyone's ever said to us on yeah, this we show. Need to, yeah. From now on, we're going to show that clip to our future guests so they know to come on. and This you know, is the expectation. <laughs> butter us up a little bit. But we, I appreciate it. Thank yeah. you so much. Um, and you know what? The beautiful thing about what we do, though, is that everybody's story has something that's going to resonate with someone, you know? Um, and, and as long as there's one person who hears this episode right. and, and is inspired or healed a little bit or makes a decision to do something positive, then we've right. all done our job. And even, right? you know, planting the seed is important because Kathleen, I went to, I went to treatment 20 times before, before I got my shit together. He's an uh, overachiever. Well, yeah, and you know, and I had friends who were you know in the twelve step program, and just seeing them before, even before, way before I was ready, but seeing somebody else do it and knowing that it was possible was always there in the back of my head. I wasn't ready, but knowing right. that it, that that it is possible, you know. So somebody yeah. watching this now may get it a couple years from now, and you know. That's the hope of this whole thing. So, Kathleen, where are you joining us from today? I am here in my home in Los Angeles, Ooh. California. I'm originally from Ohio, though, but I moved out here when I was like 18, 19 years old, fresh out of high school, and I've been here ever since. Oh, so you, you chased the Hollywood dream early, huh? You went out there to... Oh, yes, I did. Absolutely. I knew I was getting out of Ohio Youngstown, Girard area. It's about 65 miles east of Cleveland and uh, near Pittsburgh, actually, Pennsylvania, right in between. Oh, okay. And, you know, it's a great place to be brought up and raised in. I was so happy that I was there and you get to experience all the seasons and things that really build your character and small knit schools and areas and communities back in that time and day. So it really helped me pave the way for my career. Yeah. So did you, were you one of those kids who like, you know, halfway through high school, you were like, I'm getting out of here as soon as. Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Half, halfway through elementary school. <laughs> but I, you know what? I, I never would have made that move without my dear girlfriend, who's like my sister now, who we've been friends for over 55 years or more, that um, it was. Her family, they just moved to uh, from Ohio to Los Angeles because her grandfather lived here. Oh. Had they not made and paved the way for me to be able to come and stay with someone, I really would not have had the uh, audacity or gonads. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, on my own. So you were not, not the have. you were not the starstruck girl going out to L.A. knowing nobody with a suitcase and a dream. You had. I mean, you had a suitcase and a drink, but you also had, <laughs> I, I you had a place to stay though. and a couch. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was starstruck, but I, I, I made a, I, I was comfortable in knowing that I had someone here that would uh, I can depend on or a place to stay and some people that knew people and everything. My cousin, she was very well hooked up. Terry Scott, okay. she knew uh, actually uh, her, her her husband, who's now deceased, but Bubba's. Uh, Scott, he was with the uh, went to USC, and he's with the Trojans. He played and with OJ and Al Collins and uh, Jimmy Gunn, and uh, they're part of the uh, 
the, the big horsemen or whatever they call them, I forget. But I, I, I was exposed to a, a lot of people and interesting folks here in Los Angeles when I first came. Oh, yeah. yeah. So l- l- let's hear about a little bit of that. What was it like when you first came there and, and your introduction into the entertainment world? Well, you know, actually, when I came out here, I um, entered into a lot of pageants. I feel felt and figured, uh, and I had I was in some when I was in Ohio, but when I got out here, I was just you know feeling like I need to get out and get the exposure. I entered in everything I could, Miss Hot Pants, fine <laughs> <laughs> brown frame. Didn't Black didn't California. you? Weren't you Miss Ohio at one point? Pardon? Weren't you Miss Ohio, or are you won you won no. one of the pageants, right? No, I was I was Miss Black California. Miss Black California, okay, that's yeah, the that best was California. Jane Kennedy was Miss uh, Ohio, Miss Ohio without the black. But I did uh, manage to win Miss Black uh, California here, which led me to the Miss Black America pageant. Which actually, uh, through that, I didn't win, but they chose five contestants out of the pageant. And we went with the Miss Black America U.S. Old Tour to Vietnam. Ooh. Oh, wow. Vietnam and Thailand. This was in 1971. Things had cooled down a little bit from the uh, fighting over there, you know, in Vietnam, which was the most horrific, horrible time that I, uh, indelible in my mind, and lost so many people in high school folks and stuff that I'm sure everybody did who was back in that day, us baby boomers. But by going there, I had a great time um, visiting the troops and entertaining. Right. But prior to that, I did get a job here in L.A. at the Southern California Gas Company. Uh-huh. <laughs> Paying pretty good money. As a matter of fact, my <laughs> girlfriend who just retired, man, boy, did she make out well with her retirement. She got that pension. I that struggled company all pension, along. Yeah. With, yeah, but I struggled with the entertainment. But it was great. And, um, you know, just being exposed to people and going to some of the nightclubs, the candy store, the sports page, all of the entertainers and people would come through there. It was just so much fun. Wilt Chamberlain and, uh, I mean, Jim Brown and Richard Pryor and uh, athletes, uh, comedians and all kinds of people. Sounds, I mean, I was starstruck. It sounds I like a, a lot of guys that like to party. I oh, mean, Wilt yeah. Chamberlain, Richard like Pryor, those guys, then. they could do it. Yep. So that it, it one thing after another kind of uh, snowballed in my life and rolled right into situations, especially being a part of the Love Machine singing group that John Daniels is the uh, manager and owner from this club called Mavericks Flat, which was like the West Coast Apollo. And he got a group together called the Love Machine, seven girls singing, dancing. Uh As a matter of fact, there's a lot of video right now on YouTube, people. You can go see the Love Machine. I was one of the primary lead singers and it was so great. People just started posting stuff again. We were together. Well, I was in the group from 1971 to 1978. Oh, wow. And we were hitting our cameras out, videotaping and doing things back then. But they, we did a lot of TV shows in Italy, Germany, Spain, Belgium, Sweden, Switzerland, Ooh. Paris. And a lot of them are resurfacing. Oh, that's and fantastic. It it's incredible. Yeah. So I, have, I have a question about the pageants. What was your talent? Oh, my talent. I sang. I yeah. sang uh, Rock Steady. Rock Steady, baby. That's what I hear now. I did. I sang in the pageant. And I also, and one the one here, though, I did the robot. Oh, is that the booty shorts? Miss booty shorts. I was good, though. I had my little clown look on. Popping and locking back in the day. The rerun, as it's known now. The rerun. Right. Oh, yes. yeah. I'll teach you later. Too. And, <laughs> okay. and everybody, you know, all the people from um, Soul Train came through Mavericks Flat where we trained and worked out and everything. So, I mean, like I said, you know, everybody was there. Pam Greer, the OJs mm. came through Mavericks mm. Flat, the Dramatics, the Temptations. Wow. All kind of people that Gladys I met. Knight. Gladys Knight? Yeah. Huh? Gladys Knight? Oh, Gladys Knight. Yeah, you name them. I don't oh. think there was any stars in the 70s or whatever that didn't come through there. And also, uh, we became part of Motown, uh, the love machine. We were on Motown what? label. Wow. So, there for a while. so what haven't you done? I think we might be able to just shorten <laughs> yeah. the interview yeah. by, by getting <laughs> to that. Oh, we, well. Uh, gas and, company, and we got pageants, we got singing. We the singing group called Destination. 
there were three of us, me, Linda Theus, and, and, and uh, um, Danny Lugo. He's passed on now, but we were with MCA Butterfly Records, and we did a remake up on Move On. Da, 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 da. It was the da, disco era, 76, da, 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 79. The horn section on that song. <laughs> they played oh. it in all the clubs. It has that big old hard-hitting disco beat to it and everything. So that group, we actually did the Merv Griffin show. We worked at the uh, uh, Copacabana in oh New goodness. York and several other places. So I have been world traveled. I mean, I am worldly traveled and so, just... Very happy about that. So when you were doing all that, you know, I, I know at some point there's a turn where things get rough, right? But when you were doing all that, it sounds like, were you still, you know, were you drinking and using? Were you kind of keeping it together? Just kind of what? a normal person in that world or kind of what was that like? Nothing, never normal, honey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but let me tell you, and I know what the show is about. And actually, um, when I came to L.A., uh, I did meet, of course, everybody was doing cocaine back in the 70s. Oh, my God. That really was the height of doing it. And I, I, back in Ohio, of course, a little girl coming here. And at first, you know, I was offered it and what have you. But I never really wanted to, you know, try it at some point. And then if I did, I really at first when I tried it and had it, I, I really didn't care for it that much. And though, but, you know, drinking, who wasn't drinking? My God, we love to drink. <laughs> We'd have all of our shots and drinks. And uh, my favorite was Long Island iced tea. Because yeah. okay, I always I always believe that if I'm going to drink or have a shot, I don't like to have a lot of mixed drinks, but I, I really want to get, I want to get high right away yeah. pretty much. Okay. <laughs> and that's how I was. But um, Later on, when I started to traveling with the singing group, you know, from time to time, of course, we'd get exposed to uh, drugs, uh, people that would offer. And I remember one time in particular, we were working in Paris, France, and uh, we always crossed paths with all these big entertainers and stuff, the love machine, that is. And we met David Bowie. Oh, David Bowie and his group and stuff were right in the same area we were working in. So we hooked up and we talked and stuff and everything. And I remember we were at this club and David, he took me into the men's bathroom and offered me some cocaine. Oh, I was like, I was stunned at that time. I was like, oh, shit. First, I'm thinking somebody's <laughs> going to come in here and catch us. At that point, even we were still a little naive and really uh, the group of seven girls, we were really kind of a good group of girls not really fast hoes or running around doing a lot of stuff and drugs we just didn't we were really a good crop of women but i feel like when point. i feel like when david bowie offers you cocaine oh yeah you gotta yeah. take it right <laughs> i know I, and i can't remember if i did or not but i was like in awe i, I might have had just uh, just a little hey, bit hey, or hey, something. Hey. there's no, no judgment here know, no judgment there. here <laughs> but you know that that stuff kind of makes you paranoid sometime and what have you so it, it obviously drugs affect people in different ways and yeah. uh what have you so and and you know and i found that um uh, other people and artists that we might have been exposed to uh, also were doing it heavily yeah. into drugs. Another time I remember, I don't know if you guys know who Johnny Holiday is. He's a very famous European star. He's like the equivalent of Elvis Presley in Europe. Okay. Johnny Holiday, huge, big. We worked with him and opened his show, The Love Machine. We did a couple of numbers and he would come out. One time we... It was like me and a couple of other people I will not name. <laughs> we, you know, we were always just kind of freelance and, you know, good spirited people. And we, we in fact, sometimes you try anything, but he invited us into his dressing room prior to us going on the show. So he had sitting out there what appeared to be Coke. Mm. And so he said, you guys want a little hit for you, God? We we're like, ah, okay. Took a little bit, whatever. Me and Two of the other girls and just one of our musicians, guys, we went out on stage. We were a very high-powered group. We were like <laughs> Tina Turner, Temptations, Beyonce, J-Lo, all wrapped up into one. I mean, real high energy going out there. And I did a lot of the lead singing and stuff. But we only had like, what? thank God, I think two or three songs to sing. Because normally we do like an hour show. But we were opening for him. We got out there and then... <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. That shit. It was not cocaine. Oh. 
not know that. Oh. We were out there. We could barely get through the show. We were like, I, I, I'm not sure if it was heroin. I couldn't say. Or angel dust, was, maybe something. It was laced with some, some, something or whatever. And, you know, that was a terrible experience. I mean, and that kind of shows you, you think you learn, you know, but who knew? And I'm, I'm thinking this guy's going out there performing, taking this, whatever Ooh. it was. I forgot what it was, <laughs> but it was. It was hallucinogenic. It was kind of crazy, whatever he had mixed in there. We were just, all of us were just, and me and the other girls were looking at each other. We couldn't believe it. We felt like we were just in the twilight zone going through the thing. We had to finish the show. And I think when we came back off, we did throw up. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> that might have been heroin then, yeah. Oh my God! But you, but so. you made it through the performance, okay? Well, yeah, we had to. The show okay. must go on, right? Show must go on. There. You know, so that kind of shows you too mind over matter when you're doing some things. But you know, of course, with drugs and being addicted and what have you, you, you just you, you think and you're chasing that first high and stuff sometimes. So whenever you get something in your head. But, you know, we still have, I think, a certain amount of um, logic tucked away somewhere in our brains that can overcome certain things when we are trying to or indulging in drugs and alcohol. Like many times, and I am not uh, proud to say this, when I've had too much alcohol, been flat out really freaking drunk, okay? And I've been at a club or something, I've driven home. I don't even remember how I got home. Yeah. I don't remember how I've gotten. I've had sex with my husband sometimes. Wake up in the morning, don't even remember having sex with my husband after we got, I'm waking up there. What did we have? But you know that, it, that's what it does to you. Mm-hmm. Especially, you know, you you get you f- a little uh, frisky, you get a little high, you get a little, do a little this, a little that and stuff. And, you know, it, it just takes over your mind and body. And everybody, though, like I said, is so different. Me, personally, I am a happy person when I do and indulge in anything. Um, and I don't get belligerent. I don't cuss people out. I don't want to fight people. You know, as of course, other people do get to that point. Some people mm-hmm. pass out. And everybody's so different. But I think somehow in my brain, thank God, I, I don't, don't do that anymore. But that my rationale has really kind of equaled out to the other evil side that was taken over and says, drink another drink, have some more of this, right. have some more of that. And, but, you know, I have been out before in front of people and, and being a celebrity and I was, you know, intoxicated and it wasn't a pretty thing. And people right. would say, oh man, your wife, she was out, uh, she was drunk last night. <laughs> You should hear her say things or sitting on people's laps and doing stuff. I'm like, you know, having fun. Because hey, I'm so friendly and nice and everybody knows and loves Kathleen and Miss Park. Well, not Miss Park then because I wasn't doing it quite <laughs> then. But on the prices right and having a good time and this celebrity. But, you know, I've had sometimes when I went to get my car in Beverly Hills at a couple places, the uh, valets, they did not want to give me my car. Oh. Now, you know, that is very bad when they say, nope, you can't drive. Yeah. You know, they really didn't want to give me the car. But I'm like, oh, OK. And I got home. Like I said, I, I don't remember even driving down the streets. I'm just I don't, I don't want to say blessed. But somehow when that certain thing in your mind kicks in, even if you have had drugs or alcohol, people sometimes try to follow the right side of your mind instead of the left side. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just blessed. I, I, I was able to do that. And I, you know, you just, it's the odds. How long can you keep driving drunk mm-hmm. without before you get caught? Yeah. Because you're going to get caught. And when you do, you don't want to, I never have, thank God, but I could have so many times if I had ever gotten pulled over and my husband said you know what that's all they need to say Kathleen Bradley Parker's beauty price is right got a DUI driving home mm-hmm. oh yeah you would have you been on TMZ yeah. or you know all of it easily. yeah and that's something I did not want to do but you know it's just yeah. like well, yeah. one more drink and one you know, more getting one getting more. getting caught with a DUI is you know and I've been in places with people after they've been caught for a DUI and it's you're lucky that you got caught and that you didn't, you know, run into a, a, another car with like a family or somebody hurt yourself or someone else. So, 
right. know, there are tons of consequences when it comes to that. There are, and it's terrible. I know some people of friends who have gotten them, and you just people you do not want to drive drunk or intoxicated, especially nowadays, and especially don't be a black man driving while and uh, remotely swerving or looking at your phone. You know, that's another form of intoxication. People don't realize texting while driving. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's almost as bad and equivalent to having a drink or something, because if you're not focused for that little short period of time, you've had your head down and not paying attention it's, you know, lights out, man. Yeah. yeah. Just, and you know, so many horror we're all addicted to now. That. We're all addicted to the phones now. Yeah. Just the whole know, world. That's an addiction. Yeah. So, you know, that's a, you guys so it might sounds want. like, it sounds like, you know, very often we have guests on the show who, you know, in telling their stories, you know, got arrested, did prison, overdosed, friends died, like all these terrible things happening, you know, but it sounds like you never had any of those really, really heavy consequences, right? Yet you still came to the conclusion of, hey, I need to stop drinking. So would you unpack for us a little bit about like what, you know, when was it that you started to think maybe this was a problem and, and how did you, you know, what was the process of you making that decision for yourself? Well, you know, I think probably the biggest point where I really started drinking heavily was when my brother died, my brother, Scotty B. I have four brothers. He was like, closest to me in age so he was like really really close to me he lived out here in los angeles and he died unexpectedly in 1999 mm-hmm. and when he did i really went to a dark place i would come home if i was working on i'm still on the prices right i would come home as soon as i did fix some dinner do whatever and i would start drinking And I would drink so much, I would turn the music up really loud in the house. I had my daughter and my family on one side, my husband, and they kind of were compassionate towards me during that period of time. And I would even get so, so drunk. I'd go outside and I call it howling at the moon. I just had to get out of here. And I was like so overwhelmed and crying and sobbing. And of course, you know, alcohol is not the answer, but you think it is. You just want to find yourself in a whole nother place and world and try to escape. I think people use that as an escapism. And that's what I was trying to do at that point. That was my lowest point. And I would call my family and relatives back in Ohio three or four o'clock in the morning because it was like 12 here you know it's three hours different there i wouldn't care and they would they would just so felt so bad for me they would least wouldn't hang up they would allow me to get on the phone and just cry and just be sentimental and try to work it out and get it out because it was so hurtful it was just something i had not experienced that kind of pain before even when my father passed away um you know, you, your father, mom, you kind of expect but having a sibling mm-hmm. die that you're so connected to and so close with. And, and how old I was Scotty knew. when when he passed? Scotty was 49. He was 49. Scotty B, everybody loves him. We called them the rhinestone cowboy. <laughs> he would always get rhinestones and he had and he we call and Hollywood swinger. He would get the bell-bottom pants on. He'd get the little fur. He'd make these clothes and he'd stud hats and everything. He was the the one actually over in Vietnam. I got an opportunity to spend time with him uh, when I went with the uh, Miss Black America tour. Oh. And because uh, they tell you when you go over there, they they said if you have any relatives or family or anything you want to see there, they would arrange for them to be. We went to Cameron Bay. That's where he was stationed. So when we arrived, this is a good story. When we arrived that day, all the women and guys, uh, we got off the plane and guys were giving us flowers and all the servicemen and everybody was so excited. And I was looking around for my brother and looking. I'm like, oh, excuse me, where's my brother, Scotty? They said, oh, uh, he couldn't make it right now. He uh, went out last night drinking with the guys and got a little <laughs> too drunk and couldn't get up. I was outdone. You've come all this way. All the way over here from Hollywood, (laughs) California. (laughs) My sister's coming, dude, drinking this shit. He couldn't even get his ass up out of the bed. (laughs) Come drink me. I will never forget that. I bet. (laughs) terrible. (laughs) But yeah, a lot of the servicemen who came back came back addicted to opiates. So that caused the whole thing with the, you know, the servicemen who came back and, you know, just the way they were treated afterwards. 
And yeah. you know that that was and a that's heat. actually when uh, when methadone clinics proliferated in the U.S. was after Vietnam. I did not so know so many yeah. so many servicemen really? came back. Yeah, but um, you know, I I uh, just I just had a really it was something I went through and had to go through uh, for a period of time. And you know, the thing about drinking people and heavily drinking the next morning it's even worse. Yeah. <laughs> the hangovers will get you. Boy, hangovers are, hangovers are terrible. Hangovers and, and being too far drunk. People praying, Lord Jesus, I'll never do this again. Who, how many have said that before? Oh, many <laughs> times. Once or twice never, or, or 20, I've, a couple thousand. I've literally been on my knees in front of a church at yeah. like in the middle of the night. Really? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've been, I've, Oh my God, it's just it's horrible. And so you have to see if the, uh, you know, the pleasure outweighs the uh, horror of having that terrible hangover and drinking too much or throwing up or being in a situation in a club or something. It's horrible. So but, was, was there a time when you thought like, this isn't honoring Scotty? Because I'm sure this isn't what Scotty wants for me is, you know, doesn't want me sitting around crying and being drunk all right. the time and... It, yeah. did, did that help to uh, get your head? You it know? did. You know, I think it was a phase. I, and I thought about that. And though, but my character as a person, which you might already can kind of uh, seduce, right? I'm going to say seduce. Uh, imagine that I, I do have a strong constitution in terms of a, a good sense of um, balance in my life. Uh -huh. I've always had. Thank God, because my mother, she was a very strong woman. My dad actually was an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. Albert Bradley, my dad really drank a lot. That's my mother left him from, for drinking a lot. Mm. And um, so I think basically just having the courage and knowledge and thinking, you know, it's, it's getting a little out of hand and, you know, how often can you keep bugging people and stuff. So over a period of time, as you know, life goes on after we have a deceased person in our, our life that we care for so much. It, there's phases. And that was a phase mm -hmm. I was going through in the death phase of mourning my brother. And so I just kind of segued out of it. And, uh, you know, it was just something that I had to go through. I, I don't regret I went through it because I really kind of, you know, putting the music on loud and blasting around. And, you know, I can envision... I'm in the room right now where I used to just stand there and hear the music. Oh God. But I'm, I'm past it. It, it, it faded. It faded. I healed. I healed myself. Put it like that. And so was that when you decided like, Hey, I'm done drinking or was that just kind of the first oh, time you remember, no. Hey, this was I getting still, bad. I still drink. I still drink. And I, I, I never thought to not ever drink, but because I now I think the older I was getting, the less drinking I did. And I just drink like on occasion. And uh, especially now, the older I get, I, I like to cook a lot, you know, and I always feel like having a nice, good glass of red wine while I cook helps the food taste better. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, and, and, you know, and okay, I don't drink every day. I, I like different stuff. I never have anyone drink that I, I favor, except maybe like my little uh, cosmopolitan. I like a little cocktail, but I, I prefer having drinking at home than going out so much unless I'm at dinner. I don't hardly go on the nightclub scene anymore. I do some red carpet events and different things of that nature, but maybe I'll have a glass of wine. I, I really kind of stay away from the hard liquor. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> If you know drinking and people know drinking, there's different types of high with different types of liquor. Right. Believe the red, the brown stuff. Ooh, that's the worst. <laughs> that used Pasta to and white stuff. That's ever. okay, not as bad. And then the you have your, your wines and beers and stuff. But um, yeah, before I got brown stuff. before I got too out of control with the drugs and I was just drinking a lot. It, it seemed like every time I drank something brown, I would wake up with a broken hand or a black eye or something like that. that I, I get into trouble with that. So for you, it seemed like it was more like a situational thing. It was um, a bout of sadness because of your brother that you just needed to say, I can't let this control my life anymore. It's bringing me right. down. I need to take control of it. 
you know. Right. And it wasn't fair to the family and everybody and the kids trying to go to school. And they really felt so bad for me. And so, you know, like, and husband would come out and say, come on, honey, come to bed and whatever. And I just, it was like I had to get through it. I'd go one hour, a couple hours every night, not every night, but when it, when it hit me to do it, I would. Um, and then, you know, that sometimes drinking, it compounds your sentiments and right. it really made me even you know more emotional and it just does that to you and uh it's like oh shit why you know you're gonna drink this you're gonna get sentimental and start crying just have a sip (laughs) (laughs) yes it does that it warms your innards it does things to you to depressant some people think that it's like oh this is gonna make me happy and then you know some people just Uh have that chemical you know when it when it gets to them all they do is get mad and get you know sobby and no fun yep that's right it, it doesn't always work like that you know so just like they said you got to know when to hold them know when to fold them <laughs> and, uh, just uh, right now you know the older i get though and i find that i can't even my my mind or brain or just whatever when i have a drink i i, I don't like the way it feels anymore Right. You know, I might have like a little shot of the little cinnamon fireball or something, that little thing, just for a minute. <laughs> I'll get a little buzz off of that. I can get a little buzz off of a glass of wine. And then you can put I, it down and then, you know, say, I this, put it I've down. had enough. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Put it down. Or I'll, I'll have a glass of wine. We went to dinner the other day and I ordered a glass of wine and I was eating and talking and everything. And we were almost finished eating. I looked over, I'm like, Damn, I barely touched my wine. <laughs> Good for you. But then at the end, I went, <laughs> I finished that wine for $10, okay? <laughs> All right, so I think, okay. I think we need to talk about um, what people most know you from, how you're most recognized. There are two claims to fame I have, and thank God for that. One is, of course, I was the first black model as one of Barker Beauties on the Price is Right. And you were I there for uh, 10 years, right? 10 years wow. from 1990 to 2000. I love me and some Price is Right. I love, yeah. I love me some. When you skipped school. When you stayed home from school. Yeah, when you, you stayed home from school. Price is Right was always. He was sick. It was Price is Right. And I always wanted to do the. The yodeling mountain climber. Oh, that's game. the best one. Or oh, the mountain climber. Oh, yeah. I love Plinko. Plinko. Yeah. One. See, everybody yeah. really likes Plinko. I like the mountain climber. I like the sound effects for it. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But when you just have to drop something down, it goes down. But you know, the thing about it, the Price is Right was and still is a mecca for many people. Oh man, they come from yeah. far and near. You don't have to have an IQ of 115, 120 to yeah. know something. Just the basic <laughs> prices of uh, groceries and different things and cars and uh, items. I mean, it, and, if uh, I went on the prices right versus like, I don't know, Jeff Bezos, I think I would win. You, well, know. you know how much it costs to buy a gallon of milk or, you know, a box of macaroni and cheese. And you know what? That's what I think too now. Every price is different of an item based on your geographics, where right, you live, right. you know, and, and what stores you go into. You got the 99 cent stores, you got the dollar stores, yeah. you might buy some milk. Then you got the, the Walmart stores, milk, you got, you got the Target milk, you got right. the Whole Foods milk, do you, right? Do you know, Kathleen, what Bob, one of Bob Barker's side hustles were? He had what? Bob Barker products. So if you were incarcerated... Or if you were in any state-run facility, setting. any sort of institutional place, your toothpaste, your deodorant, it was all Bob Barker brand. But do you know that was not the Bob Barker? See, I didn't think it was. Oh, I didn't really? think it was. It's different okay. Bob Barker. Everybody thought that that Bob Barker had uh, institution. <laughs> uh, uh, that wasn't him. There's a different Bob Barker. Oh, well, thank you for clearing different that up. <laughs> we were all shocked. What? You're trying trying to tell our guests who know who knew Bob Barker. You're trying to tell her about Bob Barker. No, but it's I stand corrected. You think that everybody people still think that. And it's quite okay to think that because it was out there for many, many years. 
And people thought Bob Barker had connections with the <laughs> okay. uh, prisons. And I thought it was just a really good side hustle. But yeah. he, he did. Hey, I think I, I wouldn't have been mad at him. To right. Him. But he did help a lot of pets get spayed and yeah, neutered. He, so that is a fact. That was a side hustle. He ran clinics across the country. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, but he, it, it was great working with the girls and, and him for all those years when I did. Yeah. Except when Diane Parkinson accused him of sexual harassment. Oh. Then his name was tainted. And. And really, he was not the same after that. You know, he did get vindicated, but it's very difficult to overcome that kind yep. of thing. People still have suspicions in their mind. Well, did he or didn't he? She said he did. So he must have. Right. So no. you don't so, believe he did. Question about the price no, is right. Okay. So at the time in the night, you know, in 1990, when you became the first black model on, on the price is right. What, uh, like, did you have any sense of, you know, I'm, I'm breaking another wall. I'm taking a step forward for for women of color. You know, was was there that kind of fanfare, or was it just like, I'm here? Oh, absolutely, it was. It was because the show had been on for 17 years prior to them putting a black model on the show. So that's quite a long time. People were watching the show and what have you. And you know, it's always good, and especially back in the 1990. Uh, 89 era when they um, needed more diversity for CBS in particular on TV. CBS had to add more people to a lot of their daytime um, uh, programming, which Price is Right was one of them. So obviously to have a black model was the goal. And when I landed the job, I was just very proud. I had a lot of inter interviews with some of the um, different BET television shows and a lot of the black uh, periodicals and newspapers and what have you. And I was very proud. I, you know, went to a lot of red carpets and was noted for, hey, here's Captain Bradley. So Price is what, was, what was it like getting that job? Like, what was the process? Did, did they ask you the prices of bread? Like, did you just, <laughs> did you have to turn things a lot to show that? No, actually, I, I, I tell the story and it was like, Three months after I had my last child, my son, I got the call. I just had a baby, three months. And normally my body in Hollywood, your body and your face are your passport. Mm -hmm. So I was in relatively good shape, really lost a, what they call that baby fat real quickly. So you never know what's going to happen. But my agent called me and said, Kathleen, Kathleen, there's a possibility. How would you like to be a Barker's Beauty on the Price is Right? And they're looking for a black model. But, you know, you go there, you have to wear a swimsuit in front of the producers. She said, how are you? How, how's your body? I said, okay. I think I had one week to prep time to really shed a lot, maybe five more pounds. But I did go in. I looked pretty good and talked to the people, of course, who's not going to like me, right? <laughs> yeah. But I, I poured it on, you know, and did whatever they liked me. So they called me back for a couple of shows. Uh, the models that they liked, they had them come back to do real live shows. And I, I, I will never forget, though, the first time I did go into the studio to do a uh, uh, little quick uh, sh a shot at some of the products before I went on. They put me back. They showed me what to do and all this and everything. And after I finished, everybody in the crew clapped for me. They had seen all these other models and people coming in. They were clapping. I looked around. That made me feel so good. And one of the guys said, you know, you're the best one we saw. You're the first one's ever got a hand clap. Wow. So I just actually, after all that, finally, after six months, I did about ooh, my, a bunch of shows. And so did some of the other models. And they finally chose me. And I think a couple of reasons was, obviously, I did a good job. And I was used to being in front of a live audience. Having been trained in, in the mood, uh, in the singing group and traveling and performing in front of thousands and thousands of people, I was, like, really comfortable and, and at home. And plus with the other models, Diane, Janice, and Holly, they were pretty much my age range. Because they had had some of the other little younger models coming in. They were green. They were like a little timid and what have you. I didn't give a damn. You already really, had your I stage didn't. presence and, you know. My no. stage presence. Plus, I could talk to the girls behind the stage when we would have downtime of practicing about my worldly travels and things I had done and people that I knew. So I kind of fit right in. You know, they liked me. I think a few times I was told I was a little 
little bit over the hill talking about my lifestyle mm. and what have you. So I had to reel it back a little bit and be I'm a little more humble, but it worked out. So the other big claim to fame. Oh yeah. This is a little movie. You got to say it. It's not Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday. It's Friday. Right. So you guys have to say it. What did the guy say? (laughs) Hey, Hey, Miss Parker. (laughs) So one of, so before we get to all that, I just have to think, because there, there is, I forget exactly what he says, but Chris Tucker says something under his breath about you when he after he says hi miss parker did you ever get any of that in your personal life when you're out with your family with your friends trying to leave and somebody says something just a little bit that you maybe not have appreciated because i could imagine that that you know somebody who didn't know any better would just come up and say that to you Absolutely. Wait, what does he say right after? I'm not saying it. (laughs) And like, listen, like when we were, yeah, when you're going to let me fuck you. Curse on this show. But, but, um, like we were talking earlier, yes, it's been 27 years since uh, Friday was out, right? So, I mean, people recognize me all the time. Miss Parker here and there, this place and that place. And the guy, you know, the guys recognize me more so than some of the women. Yeah, some, I'd imagine. Yeah. So. <laughs> no, I look. Some people say, "I know you look familiar," and some of them know. I say, "Oh, I was on The Prices Right for ten years." They say, "Oh, okay." No, that's said, not it. Know, that's not it. Have, hey, you also might have seen me as Miss Parker on Friday. They're like, "Oh, that that one just gets them." They just, oh, they can't believe it. Even the women, honey, babe, that's Miss Parker. They love Miss Parker. Miss Parker, and then I have had people say, "When you gonna let me?" Fuck? I said, "What you say, honey?" They like it when I kind of play back with them, and it is just hilarious. One one time, my husband and I went to Las Vegas for a big fight. Uh, one of the big fight. I can't even think of the, one of the guys uh, fighters. Anyway, they were having the way in at the hotel. He and I went. And they invited me to be there as one of the celebrities just to hang out and stuff and everything. And it was noisy and loud and stuff and everything, stuff going on. The guy got up on stage and he said, yeah, we've got a couple of celebrities here. So-and-so's here, so-and-so's here. I'm going to call up to the stage this very special young lady. And he was saying and talking and talking. Everybody was talking. He said, you may recognize her. She's one of the first black models on The Price is Right, Kathleen Bradley. Price is Right, Kathleen Bradley. Everybody's talking and talking and talking. He said, Okay. How many of you guys saw Friday out there? This is Miss Parker from Friday. <laughs> they you go nuts. The crowd goes wild. <laughs> and everybody to the, to the uh, front of the stage and every because they were standing around, milling around and everything. And it was amazing. But you should hear my husband tell the story. He says, man, all these guys wanted to come up there and see my wife. He, and people ask me, how do I feel when everybody in the United States wants to fuck my wife? <laughs> <laughs> he said i just he said i that's right just keep those checks coming right <laughs> <laughs> but it was amazing we tell that story it was really funny i'm telling you they love miss parker that's that's that awesome so what was it like working with such a great ensemble cast i mean that has to be one of the greatest ensemble casts of all time for a film Absolutely. No one ever imagined that it would get to the height and success that it got to at that point in time. Um, we actually had, um, I, I really only worked with Chris Tucker, Ice Cube, and my husband, Tony Cox, and Bernie Mac, of mm-hmm. course, oh, in Bernie my Mac. scenes. So unfortunately, not everybody got to work with everyone. Right, right. I think the most part in time, it might overlap sometime. Like I met Regina King on set because, you know, depending on that particular day who's who were doing their scenes. And we shot everything so quickly, so fast. And what a great honor and pleasure it was to work with F. Gary Gray, the director. And if people don't know about him, my God, he went on to do The Negotiator, set it off. Uh, 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 a French connection. I mean, um, oh, Italian job. Oh my God. So oh, many wow, things. Man. Incredible guy. I mean, he gave us such free reign to do what most of us do best and be natural. You know, he gives you a certain amount of direction. And of course you had your script. Everybody was going off script 
but it worked. How how is Bernie Mac to work with? Because he just is one of my absolute all time favorites. Just Legend. hilarious. Yeah. He was a great guy to work with. I mean, basically, you know, he had that scene outside where he pulled up and uh, talked to uh, Smokey and Craig, and then when he saw Miss Parker, Miss Parker, Miss <laughs> Parker, and when he when when we were inside. Because actually, we never really had a scene together outside. I went in the house. So when we had downtime and they were resetting the the, the uh, cameras for us to come out, because, you know, people don't know the business. You have to get in the close up and they set the cameras. He and I had a lot of time to talk and relate and become really good friends. Uh, and it was just, you know, a, a good thing standing in there waiting for them to set the scene up and, and relating and talking to him. And we, we became uh, somewhat friends after that and everything. And, uh, you know, it was just so sad what had happened to him and so untimely. But, uh, you know, his work speaks for itself. It does. See, I, I was more curious about Ice Cube because this is, you know, that launched his. This is this is right when Ice Cube was making that transition from from hard gangster rap pioneer to family friendly movie right. star, household right. name. That's the one that turned him into yeah. a household name. Essentially, yeah, it did. It put so many people off the map for Chris Tucker and everybody. But Ice Cube, you know, I didn't spend a lot of time with those yeah. guys. Unfortunately, at the time, and they were across the street. I never had really. That's right. They were across the street. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, like I said, I I never really interacted with them aside from just that scene across the street. Yeah, and we did have we did have a little rehearsal time to go <laughs> over the lines and say some things, and uh, that was it pretty much. And you know, I had unfortunately hadn't had opportunity to see them that often afterward over the years. I saw uh, Ice Cube a couple of times in different places, and then I would see though recently. Maybe within the last five or six years, I would run into Chris Tucker every now and then playing golf. I love to play golf. Oh, he loves nice. to play golf as well. And I would see him at um, um, Anthony Anderson's golf tournament and at uh, Cedric the Entertainer's golf tournament and reunite. You know, it's always just so much fun. And, of course, everybody actually met back up, unfortunately, for John um, John's uh, uh, funeral. Um, my mind is leaving me. Uh, the dad, come on, who died? Oh, uh, oh, oh, oh. Witherspoon. John Witherspoon. Yeah, yeah. yeah Witherspoon's uh, uh, funeral. There, were, everybody came out for the funeral. It was an incredible funeral. His untimely death. That was very sad as well. I know his wife very well. She's a model friend of mine, and um, it was a huge, big time, nice, wonderful celebration for his homecoming. But a lot of us did get a chance to reunite and uh, see each other again after all those years. A bittersweet reunion. Yeah. David Letterman actually did uh, one of the eulogies. He stood up and talked. He and uh, uh, John were very good friends. Yeah. He, he's my one of my absolute heroes. That's like your David, hero here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. David Letterman. Letterman, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah 100%. You know, well, is it that, is that time? I think we're getting to that yeah. time, Miss so, Parker. I don't know if okay. anybody prepped you, but you know what? Uh, before we go, yeah. uh, I wanted to uh, sorry touch on um, some things now that's really plaguing our society with the fentanyl. Oh yeah, and the addiction. And actually, it's very hard to get addicted to fentanyl, people, because this shit will kill you. Don't even kill you before you get addicted. Yeah. yeah. Right now, to the youth. Hopefully you guys take this seriously. Absolutely. The deaths have tripled within the last year. But you high school students, especially out there trying to experiment, you know, back in our day, we would experiment. I mean, I tried acid and different things back in my day when I was coming up. But some of those things were not like it is today. Like it is far more dangerous to try to experiment or take a pill or buy a pill from a stranger in the damn park. Or somebody selling that shit on campus. Kids, don't do it. If you value your life, your family, your loved ones, don't do it. If you see your friends doing it or somebody you know selling it, tell somebody. You know, you can tell somebody without being a rat. Because who wants a dead rat? 
Mm. You know, I mean, I'd rather have a live rat than a dead person, <laughs> put it like that. And your families, think about your families. People don't think about their family. They're being selfish when they do stuff of that nature. So it's a, the epidemic is it's in, it's grossly out of hand. And just please avoid it all together. You know, if you're going to even drink or try a drink, and, and kids, try to have or ask your family or parents. Some parents are real cool. And if you're of age, try to experiment with them at home. Try it first. Because even if people and these young kids get out, they're 21, go to Las Vegas, and they start drinking. Drinking is not for everyone. They're not going to stop making alcohol because they make too much damn money on you getting drunk and keep <laughs> buying it. That's and true. then it's a vicious circle. And then people, you have to go to places like where you guys know the drug addiction places and everybody's making money. And here you are spending money, getting sick and possibly going to die. So just be moderate in your activities and you're smoking and you're drinking because I'm not saying don't ever do that. But first of all, never do fentanyl, never take those pills. <laughs> you don't know where they're coming from. But other stuff is out there and the marijuana and all that. You know, you're going to experiment, but just do it in a good, safe place. Take it easy. Be responsible. Right. Exactly. 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 So, Kathleen, we like to lighten it up towards the end with something we call rapid, rapid fire, fire question, question time. time. It's rapid. Fire question time. So we're going to ask you a few questions just right off the hip. As soon as you think of the answer, go for it. Uh, first question. What is your go-to song when you've had a rough day and you just want to sing something to help you get everything out of there? Early in the morning by Charlie Wilson, the Gap Band. Nice. Mm. I got to get up early in the morning. I told my kids play that at my funeral. Go ahead. <laughs> so this is probably the only time where this is a really feasible question. So the the movie of your life comes out, the biopic. Who do you have play you uh, when you when you're coming to Hollywood? Angela Bassett. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, perhaps Paula Patton. And there's another young lady, I forget her name. She's on SWAT now. She's the love interest for uh, Shamar Moore. Okay, we'll look, we'll look, look it up and up. put it on there. All right. Please. So, Ben and Jerry from Ben and Jerry's Ice Cream, they show up at your house. They say, we want to do an ice cream flavor as a tribute to you. What do you want us to put in the ice cream, and what do you want to call the ice cream? <laughs> Ooh. Oh my God! Uh, booby bomb bombs. I don't know. <laughs> booby bomb bombs. <laughs> what's in it? Yeah, what's in the booby bomb bombs? Milk. I don't know. Some real milk. Uh, real milk. <laughs> I don't know. That's pretty good. Know. That's pretty good. Bomb bombs. Yeah. Okay. Milky. One piece. A little of chip with chocolate on it. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> We're going to have to get the graphics design guy to, uh, yeah, to make a little uh -huh. one of those we could put on there for the, the reels. It's a, it has to be a cone. It you does. Know? Yeah. <laughs> Shaped like a boob with a little chocolate on it. <laughs> so, <laughs> got me blushing, Miss Parker. So, <laughs> one piece of advice that you could have given yourself when you were on your way to Los Angeles. Now, if you could go back in time, what would be that piece of advice? Wow. Just maybe to watch out and not be so free with dealing with certain people. Okay. You know? Yeah. So we'll we'll dive we'll into that the next bit. time we have you on. We'll 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 dive deep into that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so last question. So you've you met a lot of famous guys over the course of your life. I'm sure lots of them hit on you. Who is the most famous guy that hit on you? And did it work? Oh, boy. <laughs> First of all, none of it worked. Yeah. <laughs> First of all, there were many famous guys that hit on me. Some of them, and I can't answer that really. Some oh. of them were really cool. Some of them were like overnight. Some of them were uh, maybe a couple months. But uh, obviously, in this business and trying to be with a big star, famous person, 
it's tough, you know, yeah. I, and I, you know, not that I have a big ego, but it just, at, especially when I was younger, it just didn't work out. Cause I, if I knew now what I know, if I knew then what I know now would have been a different story. Yeah. I could have been living in Beverly Hills with. <laughs> <laughs> they got that code of silence. It's like yeah, the mafia. Yeah, it's no, the mafia. She ain't giving us no names. Yeah. <laughs> we could, we could dub it in. Drake. It was Drake. Drake. <laughs> it was Drake. <laughs> with me. all right well kathleen thank you so much for taking the time out and coming out and you know giving giving the young people some hope out there we really appreciate it my pleasure absolutely i forgot to tell them to get my book i meant to get my book. oh really quick put it up put it up you got it do you have it yeah Yeah, grab your book book. it's called backstage at the price is right memoirs of a barker beauty let me take this light off one minute from my help here. See if you can see a little better. Okay. And, and where can, um, do, you, do you have a website where, where people can get this or yeah, is it just on well, Amazon? It's on Amazon. Okay. On Amazon. Plenty of nice shots of me, Bob Barker and everybody. All right. And not the, the Bob beauty. Barker who made deodorant that no, I had to use. No, the real Bob Barker. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And it encompasses the 10 years I was on The Price is Right and everything and all the beauty. It's a really good book, a very good read. It's a lot of fun. And uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll make sure and throw the link in the show notes so that people can click on Please. it and find it. Yeah, my Instagram and all that. All right. Thank you Got so that. much, Kathleen. Make sure, you know, everybody just have a great life and think smart and look out for the people around you and, and be compassionate. People are just too hardcore and get your head out of the damn phone and texting. You heard it here first, <laughs> folks. <laughs> Do something. Just one more time. Just got to say thank you, Kathleen, for joining us today. And it's, to all our viewers, our loyal listeners, thank you for, for watching. Don't forget to like, follow, and share. And as we like to say here on Toxicology, there's, there's a, thousand a thousand ways in and, and a thousand ways out. out. And we, we hope, hope you find, find yours. yours. Hold me. <laughs>